Today's episode is brought to you by Bonsai N, Australia's premium bonsai store. Shop online with Australia-wide shipping and a wide range of payment options, including Afterpay, which allows you to buy now and pay later. Visit www.bonsai-en.com.au. That's www.bonsai-en.com.au for more info. Alright, modern bonsai listeners, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This week we have Patrick Quamban from Wagga Wagga. He's a local artist down there and he has joined us today to talk a bit about doing bonsai in a regional area and how to get access to plants and tools and some of the challenges he faces out there. So kick back, listen and enjoy and don't forget to give us some feedback. actually been doing bonsai for so it all started um when i first started bonsai i was into uh, sorry how did okay sorry so before i came to australia so me and my brothers have this um we're into japanese koi which is part of a japanese garden and then when we decided to have to have one and then we we introduced bonsai and then during that time, my, my uncle was into bonsai. So that was probably around 2008. And then, yep, yeah, so he invited us to his place and he, he showed us how to do bonsai. He showed us his tree, so I was into it. So, and then he lent us, he lent us some, some books to read. So I started on learning bonsai wiring and stuff. And then, and then I decided to move to Australia in 2009. So when I moved here, I didn't go straight to bonsai or, or, or any hobby. So, and in 2013, there's a bonsai shop that's open, that opens in Wagga, where I live. So it's a local bonsai and she sells some trees. So I, I got my first tree here as a Japanese maples and I was into maples back then because of the change of colors, the autumn colors specifically. So yeah, and it, it, and it all started there. And then I met other nursery guys in 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 Yakandanda, and then I went there and bought some trees. That, that's where I I got my um, the the trident maple now in the bonsai collection. So I got that probably around 2013, when I first started. So basically, when I started bonsai, I didn't start as a beginner. I mean, beginner trees. I went straight to more advanced trees, intermediate trees, something like that. Because I, because the only learn I can, I learned bonsai is through YouTube or internet. And then when you watch YouTube, usually like Bjorn, he he uses advanced trees and he teaches in through YouTube through his channels. And using a beginner's tree to what you learn from him, it doesn't apply. Yeah. Right. yeah, definitely doesn't apply because you need a really advanced tree for you to apply what you learn from him. So what I did was um, a year later, 2014, so I went to Melbourne for, for a month. I did my studies here, there. Um, so I did my studies there for a month. So basically what I did there was I went a week early before my, my school starts and then I went straight to nurseries. So that's where it all started. I went to um, one bonsai nursery in Nari Warren. Bonsai sensation. I went there, bought some trees, got some plenty of good stocks, and yeah. So 
every week I got one tree at one advanced tree. So that's where I was able to apply what I learned from YouTube or the internet. So yes, I was able to <clears throat> somewhat like apply because with bonsai, you learn a lot of theories, but you need to apply them for you to, to know your mistakes and to apply what you learn as well. So yeah, so that's a month and like I go to school after school, I went straight to home, do bonsai, wiring, cutting, pruning and everything. So that's where I learned. And then after a month, I moved back home. I mean, I, I still did my studies. I have to go placements and stuff. So yeah, so and then from then on, and then I, I got some trees as well from 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 the bonsai club, like the I've got that a really nice big old red pine. So I was able to apply my what I learned as well. Yeah, and it's interesting that you say that you got into Japanese gardens first, because yeah. I actually just bought that book that's on the table there today. I bought that yeah. from the Arboretum, because <clears throat> we're um. We're looking at doing a Japanese garden <clears throat> at our place of business. We're looking to do the koi pond and yeah. bridges and all that kind of stuff, have like a Zen garden yeah. and obviously bonsai is going to be a big part of that. Yeah. Um, you said that you moved here, like you moved to Australia. Where did you move from? So, so from the Philippines and then went straight to the Gold Coast. So I first lived in Queensland. Yep. And then I think I spent in in the Gold Coast for about eighteen months, and I moved to Wagga Wagga, because because um, my jo- my wife got a job in Wagga, so I have to move there as well. So yeah, so it's di- diff- two different two different um climates and like. Well, I was gonna say you've gone from <laughs> completely hot to completely cold. Cold, yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> and then and then Gold Coast is somewhat like back home. It's it's more of tropical, but we don't have winter. And then yeah, so and then I moved to Wagga, which is. The opposite is very cold in 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 Wagga, but I think we, in Wagga it's the colder weather has something to do with maples. I mean, with maples they turn a really nice nice color in 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 autumn. So that's the reason why I started first with 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 maples before I went to conifers because conifers they just grow differently. Yeah. But now when I started learning learning more from it to the point that I've got some some small beginners um shimpaku juniper and then i got frustrated with them so i gave all of them and then but still bjorn shows us very nice shimpaku junipers and those internets and youtubes showed us this very nice pines and junipers that's why i went back to conifers again and then i went and then i, I reduced my trident maples and went to conifers so when you when you came down from the Gold Coast to Wagga, was there any trees that you couldn't bring because of the climate yeah. different? Actually, I didn't. I didn't have my. I didn't start with with bonsai when I was in the Gold Coast. Oh, right. uh, yeah, because um, I moved to Gold Coast two thousand nine, and then yeah. So my first trees were in Wagga actually in oh, two thousand thirteen. Okay. Yep. Yeah, because I didn't go straight to any hobby because it's very hard. So in in the time that you've been here and the time that you've been practicing bonsai, have you been back to the Philippines? Yeah, I've been I think once or twice. Yeah, and yeah. and how's the bonsai scene there now since from when you left? Yeah, it's totally different. Yeah, because before I left, my brother started to have some pemphis, which is I he can get some yama, good yamadors. They're very large trunks back then and then yeah and that and then yeah so we we're able to get some nice big trees back home 
And then when I came back, it's totally different. It's, they're a lot better because that, that was like after how many years? Probably five to eight years back then when I, when it first started. And then yeah, my my brother continued doing bonsai, and then yeah, so it's a lot better. And I was able to manage to to do some of his trees, and then prune them. At least that, that that's part of my training. But it's totally totally different because you've got tropical trees compared to what we have here in Australia. So yeah, so but still, the techniques are there. They they, they do clip and grow. Um, yeah, that's what the clip and grow. Yep. And then we also do that one here, but more. He but here in Australia, we do, we do have seasons. So that's like back home is only wet and dry. So it doesn't matter. But still, they still grow all throughout here. But here we have spring, summer, different different types of how you care for your bonsai. Autumn, winter, the same thing. So we we have that four seasons that we have to consider. But back home, you, you basically have the whole year. Yeah, the whole growing season. The whole growing season. Yeah. yeah. So, so out in Wagga, do you have to overwinter a lot of your trees? Um, I do now, because um, I lost some some trees last year because it was really very bad um, winter, very frosty, and then this year's a bit a bit better. It's it's mild compared to what it was. So I find out that with with frost burns, especially with with junipers, um, frost burns like. If they're exposed to the sun, if there's frost in the morning, they're exposed to the sun, they, is, they easily burn. And now what I do now is I put them under the shade, right? But still, they're out of the open, they're exposed to, exposed to frost, but they don't burn as much. Yep. Yeah, they're more greener compared to what they were in the, uh, out in the sun. Yeah. So that's what I noticed. And I think my, some of my Japanese, I'm uh, sorry, yeah, Japanese black pine, they also have some yellowish color. I mean, they turn a bit lighter compared what they were on, on the on the active growing season. But now once, and then in the winter, they turn a bit lighter. But now, um, springtime comes, they started to, to get back to green again, like the junipers, they turn from bronze color or brown color into green again. Yeah. So is there, <coughs> has there been anyone bonsai artist that you've looked up to, whether it be somebody like Kunio Kobayashi, who you got to work with yesterday, or, I mean, you were saying before that when you first started, you were watching a lot of YouTube and internet stuff, so I imagine that people like Bjorn Bjornholm and yeah. Ryan Neal, um, maybe Peter Chan from Herons, Jason Chan, people like that. Um, yeah. Is any one person in particular been... Yeah, um, when I yeah when when I started watching YouTube, it's more on Bjorn and Ryan Neal, so and then Bonsai Empire because he showed a lot of um, some nice gardens and 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 stuff and also some events back in Europe or, or Japan. So basically, uh, basically, I also have been watching Bjorn Bjorn's um, YouTube channel, and I learned a lot from them and others as well. So with Art in terms of artists, definitely Mr. Kobayashi. He's, he's very well known um, for for bonsai and Mr. Kimura and Ryan Neal. Yeah, so there's a lot of big names out there that that inspires me a lot. Yeah, I think the good thing about the Japanese artists in particular is each one you can draw something from. Yeah. So um, Kimura-san, you would draw inspiration for rock plantings and things yeah. because yeah. his rock plantings are just second to none yeah. and um kunio kobayashi i think he has a more broader spectrum on 
um, like Japanese gardens and stuff like that because his garden is just amazing. He's got a big koi pond yeah, in there. Koi pond, yeah. And, he, you know, he's got all the, the big pines and stuff around. Yeah. And so I, I think I think it's good to um, to look at that stuff on the internet and draw inspiration yeah. from it. You know, exactly. Like you have. Yeah. And also um, talking about um, bonsai gardens and an artist as well. So I've been also looking looking um, at European bonsai artists because yep. they're 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 really big now. I mean, it's it's bonsai in Europe. It's a lot bigger when compared what it was like five years ago when I first started bonsai. So yeah, so you've got big names in there like Maru from Italy, and yeah, so I. I drew a lot of inspiration based on European styles because they've got different styles. You've got different Yamadors come from, coming from their mountains. They've got their Muga pines. That's a very, very nice, nice pines, nice collections. Yep. Yeah. So when you did the uh, workshop with Cunio yesterday, was there any one thing that he said or that you learned from him? that was just absolutely invaluable because I know that every time you talk to a, a different artist or something, there's always that one thing that you pick up from them and you're like, oh, wow, I wish I had known that, you know, yeah, that's <laughs> 10 right. years ago. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I bought this big, nice black pine, which has a very thick, <clears throat> um, thick first branch. So I know that first thick branch needs to, to come down. It's just a matter of, I, I saw a lot of YouTube videos on, on how to do it, but I need to see it myself sometimes like just having videos and stuff and yeah so it's better to see them in person and then you see a lot of different different techniques and some of them are complicated they put raffias and stuff but yesterday was like it's mind-blowing it's like he yeah so i've seen the the using a a, a branch splitter in, in in between a, a branch yep. just to just to to keep to move it but you get this kind of tape it's a different tape it's a very like it's it's easy to apply it's just like having a micropore because i'm a registered nursing profession we use a lot of micropores and yesterday i thought it was a micropore i said now oh, we can't use a micropore for for a tree for a trunk to to heal itself i mean to to help heal the wounds but it was a different type i think it's grafting tape or it's, and I asked Sam. Sam couldn't tell me what exactly it is. But when when it, when we checked the, the the brand, it's all Japanese, so we don't know what it what it was. So he put it on just just one application, right? And then yeah, and then he put it on, and we put big wires, and that's all. It's it's it's, it's the, the the time he spent. Um, I mean, the time we spent putting the tape on, it's like only seconds compared to putting raffia. Putting raffia on takes a lot of time. Preparing raffia is also hard because you have to soak it for about 20 minutes or more than 20 minutes. But yesterday it was just a tape. And then pulling that big branch down looks easier compared to what I expected. Because I've never bent that big branch before, although I've worked a lot of big, big pines, but not that thick. So yeah, that was something that I learned a lot. And then his techniques and his... And the way he he positioned branches, it's it's something to learn. Yeah, because yeah. there, there's a lot of stuff like that that's out there that you just don't know exists, like people yeah. taking wedge cuts out of trunks and stuff to move them. Yeah. Or even in bigger branches, you can take you know a cut out of it to kind of you know bend it down, bend a, it down little, yeah. a little bit more, and yeah. you just yeah. you see that stuff, and it's just 
absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah, yeah. But, but yesterday was was different. I mean, having Mr. Kobayashi by your side, it's it's priceless. I mean, it's the at, at first I, I was intimidated, like I don't know what to expect. But when when, when you get there, it's, it's very like it's it's what do you call it? You feel more relaxed. Yeah, yeah. Because you know that someone will be able to teach you, and that you've got support as well from 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 Sam because he helps us as well on. on to explain stuff although we got the interpreter but yeah at least we got sam was there helping us as well so out in your area where you are um i meant do you have a bonsai club out there yeah we've got a bonsai club so i started becoming a member there for around when i first started 2013-2014 i think we just only about 20 or less or even a bit more before but now when we started having the beginners class a couple of years ago that's when our members um in, was in, is increasing and now because we just have our agm so we got about 40 45 members so which is pretty cool yep so at least it's it's growing and then people are, are getting more interested so in in saying that we, we will be having another once exhibition this coming up this coming october so hopefully we'll we'll get some members out of it so with, with your bonsai club, do you demonstrate there? Yeah, um, yeah, um, I do demonstration. Before I used to do it annually, once a year. But when my son was born, I didn't go much to to the meetings and stuff. But but last year, but this year, I did once, and probably the next few, the next um, the next years I'll be doing. Yeah. So the years moving forward, um, you know, obviously. When you have a kid, it changes everything. Yeah, it does. It just throws a big <laughs> spanner in the works. But, you know, moving forward, do you maybe want to demonstrate other areas in the country and go and demonstrate at other clubs? Is that something that you might want to do in the future? Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll do it, yeah, because yeah. that's, that's one of the things I love bonsai. It's, it's everywhere. If, 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 if someone will ask me to do a demonstration, I'm happy to do it. I love sharing, my, sharing what I know. And then, yeah, and also meeting other people. Because yesterday it was good as well. Because at least, because I've got friends in Facebook, but you haven't met them in person at least. And then they approach me and say hi to their names. And I still know their names as well. Because I can see them on Facebook. So, yeah, it's good to, to meet other people. And, yeah. So what what would you say, if you were to demonstrate at other clubs around Australia, what would you say your strong point for demonstrations are? Would it be conifers or deciduous or maybe is it maples or yeah. because I know that um, I did see your maple in the collection today. Yeah. It's a very nice tree. It is a nice tree, yeah. And it's, yeah. On, it's on a very nice stand too. Is the yeah. stand yours or no, is that no, theirs? It's, it's theirs, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a very theirs. nice stand. It's yeah. just perfect for it. Yeah. But um, yeah, what, what would you say if you were going to do demonstration stuff, yeah. what, what would your strong point be? Yeah, I would say um, junior person points. Because they're 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 more flexible. You can bend them. You can move branches. You can yeah. So compared to deciduous, it's it's a bit hard because it takes process. With the deciduous trees, you have to wait. I mean, you have to to learn how you you have to have them direction by clip and grow, or you can wire them. But with junipers and and pines, you can bend them. You can easily wire and move them. So I would say yeah. So definitely with conifers, I'm I'm more comfortable with with junipers and pines. Although junipers will take a lot of cleaning up because they've got a lot of foliage. And also pines can 
as well but it's easier to remove needles than than foliage of junipers yeah yeah, yeah. And that's i'm finding lately because with bonsai M we do sell a lot of junipers just like for gifts and stuff yeah so we wire a lot of junipers and they're just such a hassle you know it takes try, a lot of cleaning trying to get in between all the the shoots and yeah, you know cleaning yeah. up the insides and the branches and stuff and yeah that's true so when you get to work on something like an australian native yeah. wiring it just seems like it's such a breeze because yeah. you just go through you know up the branch and you don't have to move everything out of the way and yeah. watch for this and yeah so do you work on many australian natives yourself <clears throat> No, actually, I haven't started with Australian natives, so yeah, probably it's something to 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 look forward to working on those on those type of trees. So it's just a matter of having um, availability of stock. So that's that, that, that's one thing. We don't have a lot of although you can you can dig them. You can, there's a lot of yamadors. There's a lot of um, natives in the gardens, but I don't, I don't have access to them, and it takes time as well to dig to dig a tree from a garden or yeah, so it's prob- for now, I'm I'm into conifers because they're you can buy them. I mean, there's a lot of um, a- a- available stock. Just a matter of looking for that quality tre- quality tree that you're looking after. Yeah, which which I'm 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 th- that's where I'm going going. So if if I see a tree, and then if there's quality, if there's something potential to become a good tree, not only a good tree, but a great tree in in the future then definitely i'll buy those type of trees just a matter of like like what you said before it was um i mean in, in my facebook you said um quality over quantity so quantity over quality yeah 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 because yeah. you, you said that it was you only had one chinese elm yeah. in your collection but it was a nice tree yeah and yeah. it's better off having one nice tree than 10 trees that haven't had you know as much love or attention or yeah, work true. done to them yeah. because there are a lot of people out there who say oh you know i've got 50 100 trees in my garden but then you look and it's like you know you haven't had time to you know yeah. shoot select on all those trees this year or you haven't had time to take the wire off for <clears> you know stuff like that I, th- I think having a a smaller amount of trees at least in your personal collection, yeah. is better than having a vast quantity. Yeah, true. But I think there's also um, a lot of credit to having a few different species. Yeah, yeah. And and stuff like having Australian natives because I, I was the same when I first started doing bonsai. I was really into just junipers and pines yeah. because it was that classic Japanese aesthetic. Yeah. And especially with junipers, you could get a fairly good-looking bonsai pretty quickly yeah whereas stuff like australian natives or figs or anything like that it it takes some time to yeah, it does, y- yeah. you know do the development and then do yeah. some ramification and get pads happening and all that kind of stuff so i was into the mm. you know the junipers and the pines and that <coughs> and then it's only been in the last year or so that i've started getting into the australian natives and learning everything about them and it was actually Last week or the week before, I was actually at Bonsai World and I was talking to the guys, Ash and Dave, down there. And those dudes are just a wealth of knowledge. And um, I had, in one week, I had one bottle brush and two Melaleucas all lose their colour. I absolutely just lost every bit of colour in their foliage. 
And I thought, you know, what's happening yeah, here? Because yeah. I was watering them like normal. You know, everything was just normal. And they weren't the only types of those species I had. Like one of the bottle brushes was sitting next to another bottle brush that was pretty much the same age, same size, had been cared for exactly the same, same except yeah. one had lost all its colour and the okay, other one was yeah. vibrant and green. <laughs> and I couldn't figure out what was going on. And it was only by going down and talking to them about it that I learnt that the soil had become anaerobic. Okay. And, you know, they were saying that soil can absorb water up to 12 mils an hour. So if that becomes anaerobic, then that goes down to more like three mils an hour. So you could stand there with your hose and blast it for three minutes and just drown it, and it might not take any of that water Water. on. It'll just run straight down the side of the pot. And you think, oh, yeah, I've watered that, I've watered that, I've watered that. And that's kind of what happened with me. And I thought I'd lost those trees, but what they said was, you know, go home, put the bottle brush in a bucket of water. Um, Same with the melaleucas. One of the melaleucas was in a bonsai pot, so I put it in a tray. And lo and behold, three or four days later, they're coming back. Coming back. Oh, yeah, amazing. They're they're just bouncing back and, you know... The melaleucas will actually push out new growth where the other growth has died. Yeah. Because apparently what happens with the Australian natives is because they're so used to having maybe a week or two without rain in a drought situation, they actually just drop all their leaves and store all the energy in the trunk. And then once it rains and they get a bit more energy, they say, well, now we can push all that back out again. You go crazy. Mm. (laughs) So, you know, serendipity will actually provide in terms of, you know, it's dropped all the leaves, but once it reshoots again, I'm going to have more options. Yeah, yeah, true. Going to have bigger, fuller, you know, colour in the leaves. And so... Yeah, it's it's cool learning about different species yeah. of bonsai, and I mean, there's many many of other species that you know I've got to learn about. I've ne- I've never really shown an interest in figs. Yeah. I, I I just don't know why I look at them and I think, hmm, you know, they're pretty boring. They're pretty basic. I don't, you know, the leaves are too big and yeah. all that kind of stuff. But yeah, because I live in a. Uh, in a weather that has frost, that's why I don't have any figs because you have to really keep them keep them away from frost. That's that's why it's too much work for me. So yeah. I'd rather have them outside rather than inside or have a greenhouse to protect it to protect figs. So that's why I never intended to have figs. Yeah. So so that's that's one main reason. And also in saying that, when I earlier you talking about going back to to people that knows a lot of uh, a lot of things. So that's so that's very um. Ad- a good advantage like you have you have um nursery people that will help you i mean specifically in bonsai that can help you if you have problems you can approach them they can help you straight away you, you do this you do that one compared where where i live i just have to contact a friend or or a fellow bonsai member i mean club member and ask them can you help me with this but not everyone knows yep so that's why that's why having a bonsai nursery locally, it's it's a it's a good advantage, and especially in major cities, you've got a lot a lot of a lot of nurseries that can help you um, sort out any problems or any issues, or not not only um, through designs but health wise, because that's because that's, that's the most important thing about bonsai, keeping them healthy, not only 
on the signs, but the, the most important is keeping keeping them healthy or yeah. Yeah, because if you got a healthy tree, then if you get an infestation of pests, they should just bite the tree and die. Die, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, so there's no point spending time more on the signs and not on the health, because definitely once they go, they go weaker, and then they're more more vulnerable to diseases. So they they're just gonna die. Yeah. So yeah. And I, I think the internet is really good for the fact that you know people in more rural areas can get some help. But it's really hard. Bonsai is one of those things where it's really a hands-on kind of thing and you have to get in and have a good look and maybe scratch the bark or, yeah. you know, stuff like that. So it's good and it's, you know, bad at the same time. Yeah. But I think, like you, you said before with um, working with Mr. Kobayashi, getting your hands-on is so important. Like, you can watch a million YouTube videos, but it's not until you actually get your hands on yeah uh, i mean especially with things like bending branches um you know i'm getting to the point now where i'm really good at br bending branches on um like tea trees yeah because i mean you'll find out if you ever do a tea tree and you go to bend the branches a big chance you're going to break it oh yeah i yeah. mean they don't bend that easy they're Easily, very yeah. Yeah. they're very brittle and I mean, every time you work on a tea tree, you're probably going to break a branch or two. Yeah, yeah. So it's just one of those things you don't really learn. You might watch somebody who's really good at good it, it. Yeah. and they're just, you know, bending and bending and bending, and then you go to do one snap. Oh, yeah. damn, snap, yeah. <laughs> damn. <laughs> yeah, because because if if you watch it, 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 it looks easy for them, but once you try it, it's hard. Sometimes you don't know how, how far can they go in bending. Like with with trident trident maples, because if you're used to bending junipers or pines, and then when you go to maples, so it's, they're totally different. I mean, it's because um, tridents are very brittle; you can easily snap it. If you're used to junipers, that once you bend it, they they go to go with the flow, but definitely you can't do that one in, in some other trees like deciduous trees. They just snaps easily. Yeah, and yeah. with junipers, nine times out of ten, if you do break a branch, it only breaks on the one side. On one side, yeah. So it's just like having a shari or something, you know, yeah, yeah, everything true. can still flow through the other so side true. of the branch and it doesn't, but things like maples and yeah. Australian natives, you break the branch and, break, and it just breaks off. It's, it, it dies, they, they <laughs> do die, yeah. So, so so that's why I prefer like the junipers and maples, they can be forgiving. I mean, they they... You snap in one side, but still there's a live vein that flows into it. So that's why it's still, it, it will survive. But still you have to, you have, you have to protect it. You have to put like, you can put raffia or a cut, cut, cut paste for it to, to heal easily or quicker. Yeah. 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 That's why with junipers, the liquid cut paste is really good because yeah. you can let it seep in. Oh yeah. Yeah. Where the, the putty is better for stuff like pines, pines and deciduous yeah. trees and stuff like that to yeah, yeah. kind of put over the the cuts but you know and we're, we're talking about trident maples and maples they're a really hard tree to work on because they scar really easily yeah they do, so yeah. so if you put wire on really tight you know coming in the spring i mean you really got to watch that wire because yeah. if it bites in it's not like a juniper where it, it's like well it's no big deal take the wire off it you yeah. know, calluses over, and then <laughs> right. it, it doesn't look that bad. Yeah. You know, it actually adds a bit of character to the tree, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Whereas with, with maples and stuff, yeah. So once, so once it bites, and then if it, it if it creates reverse taper, then you have to cut it, or else you're gonna have problems in the, problems in the future. 
So yeah, so that's why you have to, to be very careful with tridents, and you, you have to, because now it's springtime, they just go crazy, they just grow everywhere. So that's why you have to keep an eye on them. If there's wars, just, just just check on them after four weeks, just in case they're already biting. And not all grows the same in the same way. I mean, the, the rate will be different. So that's why we have to look to look after them. Or who's who's the quickest? And have a look, check check the branches. Because sometimes with beginners class, they say check after two months. But in after two months, if a quicker tree grows, like it, they grow faster, that means they bite easily, like compared to the slow growing trees. So sometimes when we teach beginners class you have to tell them that you have to check on them not only give them time frame because if, if you tell them check them in two months they'll definitely check it in two months they won't they won't check it before two months because you told them two months because you get, you've given them a time frame so so it's better to tell them after four weeks check them from from then on and until yeah, until they bite and then you and then you start um cutting or, or removing the wires at I, I'll say <clears throat> cut the wires compared to what do you call it? Untangle them, untangling yep. them. Yeah, because sometimes if you untangle, especially with maples, they're very um, they easily break. So you just have to cut them rather than unwiring them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no need to un unravel it anyway because yeah. I mean you're gonna get rid of the wire, so you might as well cut it off. Yeah, yeah. But I th- I think you make a good point there about you know telling the students that. Oh, maybe come back and check it in two months, and they're going to check it in two, two months. months. Yeah, and I think we spoke. Me and Hugh spoke about this in the first podcast that we did, and it's good for people that are learning bonsai. Anytime you learn a bit of knowledge, don't just learn the knowledge as a rule or you know a guideline. So if somebody says, "Put the wire on and check it in two months." Don't just take it like that. You need to go, well, why am I checking it in two months? And then when you ask that question of why, then you get the valuable information of, well, the reason why we check it in two months is because over a growing season, the branch or the trunk might swell and you it'll yeah. bite in. And then they get in their, in their head, well, yeah, yeah. You know, <clears throat> well, it might grow a bit quicker. So should I not check it? you know, yeah. two, yeah. three weeks, four weeks, should I keep an eye on it all the time? Because, the, you know, in, in spring, the tree's constantly growing. Yeah. So I think the when people are learning bonsai, I think the why knowledge yeah, is, that's right. is yeah. absolutely invaluable. And I think yeah. there's a lot of information out there like that. When I was first learning bonsai, as I said, I had a lot of um, junipers, like squamatas, <clears throat> and... There was all always this information and it was always one person saying do this and the other person saying do that. And then you would end up being confused. So yeah. one of the examples would be was whether to mist a juniper or not. And there was some people that are saying, no, don't do it. And then there's some people saying yes. Yeah. <laughs> but nobody was saying, well, you shouldn't really mist a juniper if it's cold or it's nighttime and that water can't leave the tree quickly. Yeah because then you'll get fungal infections and stuff. But if it's the dead middle of summer and you're trying to stop the tree from transpirating quite so quickly and losing water, then you should give it a bit of a mist to kind of cool the tree down and, you know, help it survive. There's a big difference between the two, but one is a big yes, do it, and the other is a big no. But you only ever hear yes or no. No, yeah. 
I think um, they have also have to consider where they live because we've got um, high humidity places and we've got dry. So I li live in a dry, dry area. Every summer it's very dry. So definitely yes for misting. So yeah. so I miss. So I've got a sprayer or mister that runs probably twelve hours a day or even even more if it's really really hot. So yeah, I, I should say check because um, because. If you read something from the internet or from a book, they don't say where where they came from. If they live in a high humidity area or a dry area, so if they say do this, but you live in a in an opposite environment, so it does 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 doesn't apply. So it's better to say to 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 go to a bonsai club because they have they have more experience, right? So definitely you have to, you just ask them, ask them if 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 I have to do this, if this one apply to where I live, to where we live. <clears throat> Not not just asking people from from another places, especially here in Australia. Although we live in Australia, but Australia is a big country. We've got my, microclimates. We've got different different um temperatures. Wagga definitely is very very cold or very hot. So we live in a what they call it in yeah. So we've got summer that reach over forty forty two, and winter that goes below zero yeah you get the extremes of yeah end. yeah so we get the extremes so yep so if i teach someone from another place like queensland they've got different they've got almost like tropical they're, they're hot hotter so so we have to consider where we live i mean our climate for us to learn on, on how to take care of our bonsai yeah, and I yeah. think that's where the why knowledge comes in because yeah. if you understand the why, then you can make your own decisions, decisions yeah. of whether this is going to work for me or not. Or not, you yeah. Know, I need, do I need to miss this tree? You know, yeah. Well, you know, it's the middle of summer and it's very dry and the reason I'm misting the tree is to cool it down to and cool stop it, down, it from... Yeah. Okay, I should miss the tree. Just miss the tree. You know, I'm, I'm in a very humid environment and, you know, it's getting very cold at night. Yeah, I probably so shouldn't. Shouldn't, do it. yeah, you know. shouldn't. Definitely. So at least with that why knowledge, you can, yeah. Yeah, at least when, you know, I give advice sometimes, I try and extend on, rather than just saying yes or no. Yeah. Like there was a lady on Facebook the other week asking about a, uh, juniper she'd bought and it was basically just a cutting in a in a pot and she was asking how should i style this and my answer was basically like don't style it take it out of that bonsai pot put it in a nursery container and develop it because all you've really got there is a cutting in a pot and i mean this is the this is the problem too that you can have with the internet is so many conflicting bits of information yeah, it does. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. i agree yeah. you know <clears throat> another person was saying oh you should put it in the ground and i'm saying you should put it in a nursery pot and then there's another person saying oh both these people are wrong leave it in that tiny little yeah. bonsai pot and you know it'll be okay and i mean there's, there's reasons to everything like the person that was saying put it in the ground their thing was valid because you could put it in the ground and it's going to grow really quickly and it's yep. going to grow strong and vigorous, but then you lose control of the roots. You can't control, you, you know, you can't control how much sun the tree is getting or how much shade because yep. you can't just pick the ground up and move it. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. You know, yeah. whereas, you know, I'm saying, you know, you should put it in a nursery pot because it'll still grow quickly and you can slip pot it. You yeah. know, every time it goes to become root bound, slip pot it up to the next size. Yeah. And then, 
you know, develop the tree out. And then once you develop out, then you can style it because you're going to yep. have a lot more branches to work with. You're going to be able to start ramifying it. And yep. it, it's just going to be a bigger, nicer tree. So I always try and extend, you know, yep. on my knowledge when I'm trying to teach people stuff. But yeah, man, the internet can be, I know. Yeah, it yeah. can be a harrowing <laughs> place sometimes. Yes. And then the arguments and everything happens there as well. It, so anyway, so what, what I can suggest to that one is it's a matter of, applying what you learn if 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 someone says grow it in a pot I'll, probably if i've if got if, if i've got four four trees so i'll put i'll put two in the ground i'll put two in the pot and sleep pots and then what well, well the other is in the ground so i so i know what benefits in in everything we do in bonsai there's advantages and disadvantages it's just a matter of what makes it works better for you like because because not not all of us have the same size backyard some of them can have a very massive um yards while others have only lives in an apartment that's only have <clears throat> small small um small balcony or something like that yeah <clears throat> so yeah yeah so it's just a matter of what you have you're you, you have to like um use what you have your space and 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 also time as well because not, not all of us can spend time like put always watering bonsai in the pots or something like that or some are, are very busy it's better to to leave them in the ground growing and also in saying that leaving them leaving them in the ground you can't control like what you said you can't control their their rays you can't control the, the sun the amount of sun and everything but i do both so i can say yeah they're they're good so the only thing that that's good with ground growing is it's 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 i mean the nibari they grow very solid nibari compared to growing them <clears throat> in a pot like i've got shimpakos i've got hundreds and underground and then i've got hundreds on the pots as well because because uh, i propagate them myself and then um, specifically shimpako junipers so i found i found out that they're better off underground for like three or four years and then and then you have to, then i have to dig them the reason why i say dig them i dig them in about four to five years it's um, once they grow taller, you'll lose a lot of of nice branches on the bottom, right? So, yeah. so it also depends on what size are you looking at. Because I'm only looking at um, good size, showing size shimpako junipers. So that's why I, I dug I, I dug mine for probably ten percent of my trees just to check the development. So yeah, so just a matter of using what you have. <clears throat> and apply what you learn. I mean, ap apply the suggestions because there's a lot of things that you you read, people telling you to do this, to do that, when you, and then you get confused. And then and then when you when you apply and when you choose which one, and then you'll blame them because it didn't work for you. Obviously, it, it won't work for you because you didn't consider other factors as well. Yeah, you didn't know why. You didn't know why. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah. Because I I see the same <coughs> argument with tools. You have some people that argue black and blue that stainless steel are better, yeah. and other people will argue that carbon steel is better. Yeah. But nobody ever says, you know, why? Why? You yeah. know, people with the stainless tools don't ever argue that, well, these don't rust. Yeah. And the people with the carbon, you know, tools say, well, these rust, but they stay sharper a lot sharper. longer. Yeah. Yeah. So you've just got to choose whether you want to be constantly battling rust or whether you want to be constantly sharpening. Sharpening, yeah. yeah. So either way, well, Whatever works for you. <laughs> yeah. So, with, with you being out in a rural area, 
what what challenges do you face with with your growing situations? Yep. Um, so, sorry. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, growing, growing. So it, it's it, it, it's all about availability of what we have because we don't have nurseries. Although we have a local nursery, but I think she's closing now. So availability of good quality stock because what we what we have in where I live, we don't have much. We 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 dig olive trees. And then we do. We have our annual digs, right? But not this year. So yes. And then I have to go to major cities like Melbourne or Sydney, and probably other some places, just out of Melbourne or Sydney. But in Canberra, I, I think they've got their own private sellers, but I don't know them. So that's why, I, if someone asked me, can you recommend someone from Canberra? I said, I don't know from anyone from Canberra aside from the national collection. So, yeah, and also in Wagga, we don't have someone that's selling tools. So that, so that's why we, we depend so much on on online sellers like Bonsai N. So you, you, you sell tools. So that's why we depend so yeah. much on online sellers to have to, to have access, to have access with those tools, trees, and pots and wires and whatever you need it's it, it's all in the internet now yep yeah yeah but not everyone knows how to order from the internet so i have to do it for them as well yeah <laughs> I, I, I we we do get a lot of people that call us up and say i don't know how to put an internet order through. yeah can you do it for me <laughs> and then paying credit cards or paypal or <laughs> yeah 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 so we, yeah. we do but i mean it is a good thing these days with the internet oh yeah yeah back in the day i can imagine it would have been a lot harder you know, to source out tools because even now, even as a retailer, you know, I get to see the behind the scenes stuff of what's actually available out there in terms of pots, you know, yeah. with manufacturers and stuff like that. And there's not a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's quite scary as a as a bonsai retailer. Yeah. Not on the plant side. There, there's plenty of plants, but when it comes to tools, it's hard to get a steady flow of of good tools yeah you have a few major brands out there like kikua or ryuga ryuga yeah <clears throat> um uh and i mean they're good tools they they all come from different places um you get the hanzo tools yeah but then suppliers are hard to come by and then you know the manufacturers want certain things and and, and stuff like um pots yeah um, pots can be very hard to to find yeah and yeah. especially good ones um yeah. Because a, a lot of the stuff that's floating around out there is just cheap Chinese stuff. Yeah. And to find really good pots, a lot of the time you have to go to an artist. An artist, yep. Yeah. So that's what I do now. So so especially with my deciduous trees, because there's a lot of Australian potters that are very good with, with glazed pots. So that's why I, I measure them up and measure width, height and length. And I send it to one 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 artist and he and he or she will, will make it for me so that's 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 good but it's just a matter of because not everyone posts so i have to pick them up so i have to go to melbourne or sydney or wherever so that's that's also that's a limiting factor for in where i live but some some powders they can post it so that's why it's a big advantage as well if, if they can post yeah I, yeah, I think it's really hard because you don't want those kinds of things to break in the post. Yeah, yeah, true. Because yeah. being a bonsai retailer, I can tell you that pots do break in the post. Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> our, they do. Uh, our couriers don't exactly <laughs> give a crap. 
let's just say. <laughs> there, there's some of these parcels I've. I think they play basketball with them. No, I know. On I their don't lunch know what break. <laughs> so I, I, I can, you know, I can understand why some potters who put their blood, sweat, and tears into yeah, a custom true. piece, yeah, you know, th- you know, they're not like these, you know, big Chinese yeah. manufacturers who are just pumping them out on a production line. You know, yeah. they're actually sitting down and putting thought into them, and yeah. you know, putting their artistic direction on them. And yeah. but I think. <clears throat> When it comes to the Australian natives, our potters, you can't go past their pots for Australian oh, no, native yeah, trees. Yeah. It's just, there's a certain aesthetic about them yeah. where you just couldn't really use... You couldn't really use a Vietnamese pot or... No, you can't. Yeah. You couldn't use a, a traditional Japanese, you know, like a Tokonome pot or something like that yeah. because it just wouldn't suit. Suit, yeah, yeah. You know, because, I mean, the Tokonome pots, they're really good for the... Yeah, deciduous trees. Yeah. I mean, they've got some beautiful glazes and stuff, but I think the Australian aesthetic with all the cracks and they're less, I think they're more off colours. Yeah. They're they're a lot lighter on the eyes, so. And they're more artistic as well. They're unique pots. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what's good about um, accessing to those pots? Because we've got this um, bonsai bonsai pot shows now, like what happened like a few weeks ago, you got uh, yeah the in fire and earth or yeah, something so, it was yeah, yeah yeah in Sydney. So then I heard about good news from from that event. So they, they many got really really good pods. So definitely something to look forward to. So hopefully every shows we've got this um, big major events that we, that that these Australian potters they can show off their their pods. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be good to start including the potters in the shows as well. Yeah. So not just have a bonsai show, but have a bonsai and pottery show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That way you can, you know, see what's available in terms of ceramics as yeah. well as in terms of, you know, trees because yeah. we see we see the trees everywhere. Yeah, yeah, th- yeah. That's right. Yeah. You know, we're we're even <laughs> thinking about at bonsai and not only doing a tree display but doing a pot display as well. Oh yeah, it's gonna be cool. Yeah. So so every time we get, you know, a really nice pot in because. Uh, two or three weeks ago, or it might even be more than that now, we got a shipment of Vietnamese pots. Yeah. And some of them were just absolutely beautiful. And yeah. that some of them were only one-off pieces in terms of the batch was only a one-off thing because yeah. the, from what I heard, the clay that they made these pots out of, it's a very strong, dark, clay like a black clay oh yeah and they were really hard to work with so when they were making the pots it was hard to make them straight straight yeah balance you know try and get them to fire straight and but i mean these things are absolutely beautiful so i've only got maybe a handful of these left and they're still selling like crazy so you know very limited (laughs) there there was one that my partner she she grabbed off the shelf and she's like you're not selling that <laughs> so it's kind of just been sitting out the back, you know, yeah, yeah. not doing anything. Hasn't got a tree in it. Yeah. And I was, it was actually that that sparked me to think. Well, maybe I should do a pot display. Yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, I would like to put a, a tree in that pot, but yeah. it might be just as valuable yeah. to display it. Yeah, because I, I I also started my own pot collections, even though sometimes I, I have to use them because it's there because that fits the tree. But before I've got this pot collection, I've got probably I've got ten of them, and I put them on display. And but eventually I have to use them. 
<laughs> that's the way it always is. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because they they look really cool. I mean, it it really fits my collection. So that's why I have to use them. But yeah, it's it's something to to have some some pot collection as well instead of just bonsai trees. Well, I think I think that's actually a good point. It's very valuable. Where yeah. this is something that I don't suffer with, luckily, because I have a retail store. Yeah. So anytime I have a tree that's ready to go into a pot, then someone will buy them. <laughs> well, well no, no, not just that. But when when I've got a personal tree that's ready to go into a pot, I can just walk in. I've got shelves and shelves. Oh, you got shelves. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, whereas you know. Other people, they might not have that. So it's probably good that when you see a pot that you like, buy it. Whether you've got a tree or not that's going to go in it, buy it. Buy it. And you can display it like you do until you're ready to put a tree in it. Because a lot of the time, especially with the Australian potters, the the pots, sorry, uh, they're an art piece in themselves. Yeah, yeah, true. When when you look at them and Mm -hmm. um, I think... Murrumbang Studios. Um, I'm not sure what the lady's name is. I'll ha- I'll have to find out. I'm not even sure if I said that right. Um, Murrumbang. But I think she's from down south somewhere. I believe, maybe not. But a lot of her pots. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh man, you could just sit them on a on a thing without a tree on. Tree, yeah. yeah and they, they, they just look, look beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But, I mean, like you, I'd be just so tempted to grab a tree. Grab a tree and then <laughs> put something in it, yeah. So, um, being out in the rural areas where you are, let's just start with summer. What What are the biggest challenges that you would face in summertime in terms of heat? Because do, do you have a lot of maples? I can imagine you get a lot of leaf burn out there. Yeah, definitely. With especially with Japanese maples, they just burn easily, so that's why I only have one, one, one Japanese maple, and I've got and I've got it like five or ten trident maples. So tridents is it's hardier compared to Japanese maples. That's why I only keep trident maples. Elms, they're good. They 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 easily comes back to life. I mean, once they burn, they drop, and then they just come back. So definitely the, the heat, it's very it's very hot. That's why I keep my watering system on top, but sometimes watering system, you can't just depend on them because they just fails. Yeah. Like yeah. They clog up. They clog up or, <laughs> or just the battery or just, cause, yeah, I don't know. But anything that is automatic, it, it, it always fails. That's why I have to keep... To keep checking on them, making sure they're they're still working. So yeah, so one is heat, definitely it's very hot in summertime. Second thing is watering system. You have to keep the water on top, and then you have to make sure every every tree is watered. And yeah, and misting. So definitely I miss any time during the day, including nights. Cause sometimes we've got a very hot, dry night. So that's why I also, I also miss without any tr- problems with fungal in in the morning or during summertime or in the during the growing season so yeah so what other factors can i think of um so what what about <clears throat> pot choice um because some pots can get really hot in summertime do you have to wrap any of your pots in towels or no i i haven't done that yeah so far i don't have any problems with that one as long as i've got yeah i've got the Misters going on for every four hours because it will cool the whole place down. Because I've got a particular because if you see my my collection, I've got this what what I call as a, as a white island. That's where all my trees are. 
so that's why I've got all the mysteries there. I've got like three, three, three. What do you call it? Three areas. I mean, yeah, three, three zones. Yep. Yeah, three zones that will just water the whole place down. And 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 then a friend a friend of mine told me I, I'm I'm wasting water, but actually those those wasted water are 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 beneficial to cool the place down because it's just very hot. They don't understand, some people just understand how hot it is when if you when, when you go out in the bonsai, in my bonsai garden, it's just very hot. Yeah, well, even <clears throat> where I live, we're very close to the water, but it still gets very hot and hot. dry there. Yeah. And um, I think I mentioned it in the last podcast that I did with Andrew, but I actually had a Japanese maple that was getting burned a lot and yeah. it was in the ground. So it was one of these situations where I couldn't control the situation. It was yeah. in the ground. I couldn't just pick the tree up and move it. And protect it. Into a shadier situation. So yeah. I went and got an umbrella. <laughs> and yeah. planted the um, umbrella in the garden yeah. next to the tree. Yeah. So I brought the shade to the maple. <clears throat> because it was just... The the leaf burn was just getting ridiculous yeah. because, because of the heat. Yeah. I think it's the it's the hot wind that you, that burns yeah. that burns the, the foliage. So yeah, so and what I did last year was when it's very hot. So I've got two big lime trees, and then I put the maple in between them. So and then that Japanese maple didn't burn any leaf, although it's still still out in the open, it still has sunlight, but it protect it's being protected by two big trees. Yep. So it didn't get burned as I expected it to be. So that's why probably I was thinking um, it's good to have taller trees. I mean, garden trees to protect those. Yeah, to, pre- to protect my Japanese maple. It's, I think it's it's the wind that we have to protect. It's not only the the direct sunlight, but the wind. Yeah, the wind. Yeah. And then you know, <coughs> skipping autumn and moving into winter. Yeah. Well, I mean, I should ask in, in your rural situ in your rural area. Does do you get a bit of an extended summer? Like, does your summer kind of extend into autumn a bit longer than it may otherwise yeah. other parts of the country? Yeah, um, it depends. Every year is different. So last year we've got a good autumn; it was nice and cool, and then we've got a mild winter. Winter this this time. So yeah, it depends every year. So sometimes we've got extended, like what you say, extended summer. Still very hot in autumn. It it happened a few years as well. So it's beneficial, beneficial yep. that we've got like growing trees. But sometimes when you have those um, extended summer, then that's why you have to keep watering, 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 and then you've got winter straight away without experiencing experiencing autumn. Yeah, because yeah. I think a lot of people just go, well, summer's over now, so let's start doing autumn work. But okay. it's like, no, no you, you can't. You, you've got to watch the season. <laughs> yeah, you've got to watch the season. Because in particular, <clears throat> in our garden this year, we moved into autumn pretty quickly out of summer. Yeah. And then winter was pretty much ex- on time, expected. Yeah. And now we've, even though we're in springtime now, coming yeah. into spring we moved in really early early yeah like yeah. our elms started swelling and yeah. popping like two or three weeks ago yeah. and i've got a trident maple that's already in full flush yeah and it's already got all its leaves um but japanese maples still haven't flushed yet flush it yeah they're, they're swelling but i actually i tell a lie i've got one that's just got tiny little leaves on it now but 
I mean, just because summer's over or autumn's over, it's never necessarily the case. Yeah. I think it's more you've got to actually watch the watch weather. Them. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, just because summer's ended doesn't mean there isn't going to be, you know, hot hot breeze or, yeah. you know, real dry days. So just continue watering to the situation and not, yeah. you know, just because it says summer's over, it doesn't mean yeah. it's over. Yeah, because some people say it's, it's springtime, it's reporting time, but sometimes it's... You have to consider the weather. Sometimes it's it's still winter, but it's, it's still springtime. So you shouldn't be basing it on on months. You should be basing it basing it on the weather. Sometimes people will tell you do this one now because it's it's it, it, it's it's almost springtime, but it's still cold or still hot. So what do I need to do? But you have to base it on the weather, and you have to, you have to check. I usually check my iPhone iPhone app just to make sure it's gonna be hot this week so i have to start reporting but sometimes you get those just one one off frost in the middle of september yep. i mean early september because we did we had that one before because I, I, i reported my pines a bit earlier then because it was starting to hot but one night it was really cold and we got this frost and i think i lost one yep. i lost one pine because yeah anyway So what I do with with my Japanese black pine now, I I do it in mid September, just making sure that it's it's not cold. It's just continuous. It's it's consistent, consistent. Um, like heat. Heat. Yeah. 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 yeah because it, it'd be easier to look after a tree in warmer weather than it would with a sudden frost that comes yeah, through and right. surprises yeah. you. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, that that happens a lot. Yeah. So we just have to be be really really careful. We have to follow follow what the weather is up to because we just can't base it on months or or seasons like you say spring but it feels like it's still cold or still winter so yeah yeah so yeah. it also depends on where you live as well it depends queensland has different new south wales or victoria we all have different yeah, yeah when you look at the trees up at the arboretum i mean we're coming into spring and none of them have really flushed yeah not, because not, Where we are, where we are here at the moment in Canberra, is still quite cold. Still cold, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's probably going to be for another a month or so. Yeah. And yeah. then you know they'll probably get a late flush, whereas by the time their trees flush here, mine have been flushed for you know a month and a half or something. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, true. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely you know like you said before, somebody can give you some advice, but you've got to really look at your area and look yeah. at your situation. Situation, yeah. Look definitely. at your garden. Yeah. Um, That's why people always ask me when they buy a tree or something, they say, oh, where should I sit the tree? And it's like, well, I really can't tell you. So I tell them, you know, go home and watch the movement of the sun. Sun, yeah. yeah and, exactly. you know, then you can map out where, you know, in summer you kind of want to give it some morning sun, but by the time, you know, midday, one, two, three o'clock comes around, you want to have that tree shade, in the shade. Shade, yeah. Where in springtime it's a bit different. When the sun comes up till the time it goes down, you want that tree in the sun. The sun, yeah. Especially junipers. Hmm. You know, so it's really up to the person in their particular area yeah, to watch. Yeah. I mean, I know in my garden, particularly <clears throat> where our trees are, they swap sides of the garden. Oh yeah. yeah. Every every half year, because. In summer, the sun might rise, you know, from the left side of the house, and in winter, it might rise from the right. right yeah. It actually changes. changes so, yeah. so the house will actually shade out a certain part of the the, the yeah. garden at each time of year. So, 
you've really got to go out and get to know your garden and get get to know where the sun is and where the hottest part of the yard is and where the coolest part is and you know I've got a little hospital area. Yeah, because I've got one as well. <laughs> you, <laughs> you need to have one. <laughs> you need to, like any city, you need to have a hospital. <laughs> and that's where all the sad yeah, trees live. Yeah, because yeah, actually I've got this big display area. I mean, yeah, so all the sun there from, from morning to afternoon. But you need to know where the shades during the day, the day is because you need, you need to know where it is just in case if something happens... You, you know where to put your your sick tree to, to that particular area because you need the shade. You need to protect them. Yeah. So you need to know exactly because you just can't put them anywhere. I mean, planting a garden is something that you have to to know. You, it takes a lot of a lot of planning because you need to know where 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 the tree is rising, where the tree is setting. Yeah. I mean, the sun is the setting. Sun, yeah. yeah, and then like what you said, in summertime and wintertime, they're different. They they. They, they've got um, this, I mean, like in my garden, it's different because I can't explain because you could. Anyway, so you need to know where, where, where they where, where they rise and where they set. Yep. And then you need to know, to know where exactly where the shade is during the day. Yeah. 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 Where you are, do you get a particular shady part of the day or are you more in an open plain area where it's just sun all day or yeah i've got a an area that's have a lot of shade so that's where i put my japanese maples during summer yep and then i've got these lime trees as well so i, I know where to put them and then sometimes in in winter as well that's where i put them so they're safer so I've, i just did it two years ago so that definitely that area helps my trees a lot yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's another benefit to having <coughs> quality trees over a quantity of trees because yeah. when it comes time to move them, you'll thank yourself. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> because, because moving 50 trees is yeah, that's a, a lot. bit ridiculous. And once you start getting some of the bigger ones, yeah. like I've got a massive um, like Japanese box. <laughs> I tell you what, moving it is a two-person job oh, because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, you can't just pick it up by yourself because... You know, the pot's like, you know, huge yeah. and then it's full of soil and then you've got the, you know, the tree with the big trunk, trunk, trunk yeah. on it. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, it's just, it's an absolute mission just to move that one tree. So And then you, you can't risk it lifting by yourself or else you'll, you'll hurt your back or you're going to drop it. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to drop it and break a big and expensive break. pot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. So yeah, so definitely you need to know your garden a lot you need to study it i mean you have to yeah and then not only knowing the garden <coughs> but also knowing your species yeah definitely because not only do you have to put trees in different locations throughout the year but yeah. it might differ between species of the trees so things like junipers will absolutely love getting the heaps sun. of sun sun yeah you know you'll get better foliage you'll get more energy in the tree yeah. whereas if you give you know the maples that same kind of attention no. you're going to be in a world of hurt in work yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so that's the main reason why because people ask me how many varieties of trees do you have how many types of trees so i only have black or red pine i've got junipers it's only shimpaku and i don't i only have one squamata left and that's it and i'm only having shimpakus and then trident maple and i've got just one Japanese Japanese maple. The reason why I'm saying that one is 
the amount of care, I mean, junipers and pines are almost the same care. I mean, they love the sun. So just put them outside, out in the sun, and they'll survive. And then I've got, just got only got few maples, um, trident maples, probably about 10. And I just have to put them partly shaded. I mean, they can have the sun. And at least I only have one Japanese maple to protect. That's all. It's not much to protect because it's only one maple. Yep. So yeah. So that's that's the main reason I only have few varieties. I don't have much because if because if I have flowering figs or or any type of trees, then that means I have to learn each tree on how to take care of them because not all of them are the same. So in saying that, that's um Japanese um Japanese black pines or red pines and juniper they're just then the same because they're conifers. Yeah. Yeah. Because so. you, you kind of want to, when you get a new species, you want to give it some time and you want to learn its little quirks because each species does have a little quirk. Yeah, yeah. But, I yeah. mean, you piqued my interest there before. Why do you prefer the shimpaku over the squamata? Is it the foliage that you <coughs> prefer or is it the care? Um, First of all, it's the... The apical dominance of 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 each tree, because they said they're both junipers, but with shimpagos they grow wide because they're a shrub. While squamatas or or any other junipers they grow taller. Yeah. So that means if they grow taller, they're going to sacrifice lower branching. But with shimpagos, because they're a shrub, so balancing shimpagos is a lot better. They're 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 like. Um, you don't have to prune a lot because I've got this only because I only have one left and I'm still having trouble having the bottom branch to, to survive so that's why I, I made another an, another bench for it so that it, it it will have full sun they're all exposed to the sun every branch is going to be exposed to the sun yep. and I'll, I'll keep pruning it this year and I hope it will survive and I hope the tree will have a good balance Shimpago juniper is not all nurseries before before I I decided to have chimpaco junipers five years ago, it's very hard to get chimpaco junipers. There's only few few nurseries grows them, and if you buy it from them, it will cost you like hundred dollars or even more just for a straight trunk. Yep. So that's why I decided, okay, I better propagate my own chimpaco junipers. I just propagate them. It's easy to propagate propagate them where I live. I don't know why, but they just ha- I'm, I'm having a success rate of about of about ninety to hundred percent. And some of them, some of my friends from other places, they say they can't even propagate Shimpago junipers. I don't know why, but probably it's because of location. Yep. Or, yeah. So anyways, yep. Yeah. And going back to Shimpakus, so they've got better foliage. They're not prick, prickly. I mean, it's... Scomodus, <laughs> <laughs> they're very sharp. Every time I, I've got a lot of scratches, and I, they're not, I easily scratch. I mean, my problem is hands very sensitive, but... But with Shimpaku, they the foliage is a lot better. They're more greener, and yeah. So probably overall, I love how how they look. They're yeah. Yeah, I do like the squamatas, but I get the point that you do make about the the foliage. It's so hard to work with. Yeah. When I'm when I'm working on ours, I always wear a set of gloves. Yeah. Because if not, we were actually talking about this um, a week or two ago at Bonsai World. About you know, because the guys down there they wire stupid amounts of squamatas, yeah. 
But um, yeah, it's just that feeling of wiring a school yeah. motor, and then you get in the shower, and it feels ah, like ah, yeah, it's gonna burn. Yeah, you got like a thousand little holes <laughs> in your hands, and you're like ah, yeah. <laughs> it's like one of the only trees that does that to you. Yeah. But um, with with the propagating of the shimpaku, do you find that? after spring is the best time for propagation for you or do you have a success rate all through the year or uh, in and when you when you're propagating are you air layering or are you doing cuttings cuttings yep cuttings so and i do cuttings and for me the best time i mean with books and internet they say springtime but i do it in winter yep yeah the reason why i do it in winter is and i put them out in the sun in winter because there's a lot of a lot of humidity like they absorb water, so that means, so that means they will survive better in springtime. Because if you start in springtime, it, it's already hot. I mean, they will lose the, the 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 they will lose the water. So that so that's why I put them out in the sun in in in, in winter. And I, and and I found it, and I have a better success rate from starting in winter. And then after that one and mid mid spring and then I put them inside a greenhouse and I just have a mysterious sprayers all over it just to have it moist all the time. Yep. Yeah. And then after two three months and they just start rooting. And and when you're propagating, what are you propagating into? Are you propagating into a very aerobic mix like something like pumice or? Yeah. Uh, to, to be honest, I just use the ones from Bunnings. The Osmo coat. Oh, just the propagation yeah, mix. Yeah, just propagation mix. And then I, I try the perlite, sand, and the mix, three of them, and then comparing to just the mix itself. So I find it the same. Okay. Same success, success right? Yeah. I think the technique of that one, the most important thing of propagation is make sure that the mother plant is very healthy, well hydrated. Because it doesn't matter what mix you use, how how much you take care of it, if the mother plant is is unhealthy and dehydrated, it won't survive. Those cuttings won't survive. Yep. Yeah. So it's just a matter of aftercare. Anything we do with bonsai, it's 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 all about aftercare. You know how to need to know what to do after, because yep. people will tell you you do this, but they won't tell you what to do after. Right. Yeah. 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 So when when you're taking cuttings, do you use like a rooting hormone, like yeah. a, a powder or a gel? A gel. I, I prefer using the gel. Yep. So the reason why I only use those basic stuff because that's what's available in my place. So we've got Bunnings. So I just buy the the mix from Bunnings and then hormone gel. That, that's all I use. Having perlite and everything, it's it's very hard. It's more expensive, and the success rate is just the same. So I might as well have those easy accessible. Um, tools and yep. then yeah and then use them and have as yeah just like what I said it's just a matter of having the mother plant healthy yeah mm -hmm. so uh, and when you're taking cuttings do you make like a, a garden bed for the cuttings or do you put them each in a little nursery container yeah. so I just put them on one what do you call it just one like one it. pot yeah just yep. one pot and then 10 cuttings in pot depends on 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 how much it the, the pot can have so usually i put them 10 because i've got a small pot like a starter you know the starter pots so yeah I, so like I don't a know six what, inch yeah something yeah, six inch yeah, yeah yep. six inch and then yeah just just put as much as you can i just put 10 or 12 yeah and then 
and then when I open it after when it's roots, you know when it roots it's because the roots will go down and then you can see it below. Yep. Below where the drainage holes are, so you can see them. Or you, or you can ch- check by pulling them if they're if, if they're already rooted. Yep. So if they haven't obviously it's it's easy to pull them out. So yeah. So and then usually I just check them three three months or even more. In, the reason why I said even more is now because before I because I was very excited before after two months I just started pulling them right but when I pull them when you replant them to an, another pot like individual pots you don't have much roots yep. so that means you can't build new berry out of the the, the tree you just planted because with Shimpaku once you cut the roots it they will just grow you'll miss one year of growth because they're slow growing. Yeah. So what I do now is I'll leave them in a on the same pot 10, 10 cuttings for a year. Because one because the moment and then after a year when you break them, you you'll have a, a lot of fruits and then you can do the root prune from from then. Yeah. From, from from that point because you can't go back anymore after 5 years. Because if you go back after 5 years, 5 years you won't have hope unless if you're Unless, unless if you're growing trident maples, you can do it anytime because they, because they can grow a lot of fruits, but not with shimpakus. Yeah. So yeah. So what I do after one year, I just remove them, do do the root pruning, and then when I plant them to individual pots, make sure the roots are radial. I mean, so, yeah. so that you can have radial roots. But other people say shimpaku doesn't need junipers, doesn't need to have any berry. But sometimes the berry can can be beneficial because you can have a be- wider base. Well, I mean, Nabari just looks cool anyway. Yeah, it is. Because like, yeah, yeah. I've got a big um, Squamana uh, yeah. cascade yeah. and it's got a nice big Nabari on yeah. it and yeah, it just adds right. to the tree. Yeah, you know, yeah. It just looks yeah. so much cooler with that yeah, Nabari. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's one thing I can say about junipers. Better work on them when they're, when they're still young because once you do the root pruning when they're a bit older so that means it will grow because they said once you root prune juniper you need to wait for another year for it to take in the trunk again yeah because that's because they need recovery time for at least a year unlike yeah. with trident you root prune and and after a year you, you you'll have a lot of fruits again yeah and with Shimpaku, you definitely don't want to miss a growing season. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> because that's a lot of time lost. Yeah, yeah. Because as, as you said, Shimpakus, they grow at a snail's pace. Yeah, they're very slow. I mean, they're very slow. Yeah. It doesn't matter what, what, what soil you use, they're still very slow. I tried different things, but yeah, they're just slow. But definitely they're a lot quicker when they're planted in the ground. Yeah. And even someone told me, doesn't matter, Pat, if you where you put them, pot or ground, they're just the same. But uh, but for me, ground growing is quicker compared to pot growing. Well, I think there's pots. a lot of um, <clears throat> there's probably a lot of differences there in terms of the ground. You know, somebody else might have better quality soil. Yeah. In the ground. In the ground. Do. Oh, yeah. They, they might have better nutrient retention yeah. or, you know, they might have more rain or something like yeah, that. There's yeah. all these different variables. Variables, that, yeah. You know, yeah. just because it works for them, it doesn't mean, you know, it might work for, for you. you. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I think with bonsai, it's nothing's a guarantee. No, no, no. 
you know, some some people might have great success with things. Yeah. You know, yeah, like there, there's some people that are, you know, air layering black pines. Yeah. And then there's some people that try it and it's just fails just miserably. It doesn't work, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm very bad with air la- layering, so probably I'll, I'll do that one again in, in the future. Yep. But for the meantime, I don't do air layering. I don't know why, but yeah, I'll just do the propagation. Well, I mean, if you're having success with cuttings, then why air layer? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, definitely. So so at least with cuttings, you can control, like, which Impaco Junipers wants, like what I said, like the Nibari. And then after the Nibari, have it, leave it for a year, and then you can start wiring so that you can have a good good movement with those Shimpako Junipers. Yep. And, yeah, and then the trouble now is once you put them in, in the ground, I have to bend them over so that I can wire them. Because with yeah. Shimpako Junipers, you can't leave them. Because once they... Because they grow multiple branches going up. Yep. So if you if you miss wiring for a year, it's very hard for you to have that tight bends on on um near the near the base, right? So because because I grow showing size, so that's why I have to make sure every year I have to bend them, take the wires off, and then choose another leader to 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 wire. Yep. Yeah. And then like what you said earlier, um. Sometimes I don't mind them biting because they can be a great feature. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it adds character to the tree. It, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the good thing with um, with propagating too, because this was something that I also spoke with Hugh about in our first podcast. That there's there's a whole different thing to going to a nursery and buying a piece of stock that's already you know quite mature and somebody else has been shaping it for a little while or, you know, it's had a, a bit of movement put into it or, you know, same with Yamadori. I mean, you go out and collect material. You can't be picky. Yeah, yeah no, because, you can't. Because <laughs> what, what's there is there, there and there's yeah, nothing yeah. you can do about yeah. that. But when you're propagating and you're starting from a whip, yeah. I mean, you can wire that whip straight away and yeah. you can say when this becomes a full mature tree, yeah. this is what I want the... the trunk to look like this is where i want the yeah. movement to be and yeah. you, you can control that the whole <clears throat> way yeah the whole way yeah <clears throat> definitely because once you buy mature trees there can be faults that you can't just just um just sort out like yeah. reverse taper once you have reverse taper it's very hard it's going to be very hard for you to 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 correct that reverse taper unless if it's a juniper pines you can do the carving yeah. Yeah. And then well, you just bury that in the soil. So yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. So definitely, I'll I'll go. Yeah. So looking for trees, you have to choose. Don't just buy because you have the money. You have to choose. Yeah. And then if you choose the tree, make sure that you know what to do. You you have to plan. The moment you see the tree, you have to plan. I can do this. I can do that. All right. So yeah, that's very important because some people will just buy. Um, this looks good. I'll buy it, but you don't know what to do after. Yeah. Yeah. You go home and stare at it. And, stare at it. Um, and then you realise all the problems. That yeah, it, yeah, that's oh, right. this trunk's too straight or, you know, this yeah. and that. I, I've got a Japanese black pine that <coughs> I, I bought when I was first getting into bonsai. And I made the biggest rookie mistake of all. I bought this black pine because it was the biggest one there. <laughs> but it was also the straightest one. The straightest one, yeah. And I didn't buy it from a bonsai nursery. I bought it from just a regular garden nursery where they yeah. stake everything. everything. Yeah. So everything is just staked straight, yeah. meant for just 
regular home backyard garden. You know, I was like, oh, look how big that one is. You know, yeah. Get it home and you know start trying to wire it and that, and then it just doesn't look any doesn't good. Look good. And, yeah. And e- even to you know, in this point now, I've got it to a point where it's gonna start looking good. Yeah. But the amount of work that went into even get it there. Yeah. Was just ridiculous, and I mean, there was that many, there was that many whirl branches on it. Yeah. So it had swelling. Um, just you know, if I seen that black pine now, I would never buy yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, because it, because it, it it will take you a lot of time, take a lot of, a lot of your years mm. for it to 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 make it as a, as a decent bonsai, or probably still a potential bonsai. Yeah. After all those years that you have put work into it. So it's better to buy a quality tree. Like I always say, quality tree, because once you see a quality tree, probably it will take you two or three years, and it's gonna be a good one. Yeah, because someone told me how how long it will take me to have a good, decent-looking bonsai. I always say it will take me about three, four years. At least the shapes are there, but it depends on the material it's, itself. Yeah. Yeah. So not all materials will take that. That years, some of them will take ten years just to correct one thing, just to correct the movement of the trunk. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that might be a valuable thing. You know, if people do demonstrations, I think there maybe should be days where an instructor takes people out to a nursery and shows them how to select material. Yeah. Because I mean, that's an art in itself. When personally, when I go and select material, you know, I'll look at a tree. I'll tip it all the way to the left, tip it all the way to the right, tip it upside down. (laughs) You know, I'm looking for every angle and every every advantage this tree's got. I'm looking, you know, would this make a good literati? Would it make a good cascade? You know, where can I bend the branches? What's going to be my first branch? You know, what movement's in the trunk? How much of this tree am I going to cut off? There's so much, and then you're looking at the, you know, the branch structure. You know, where am I going to have to cut to start ramifying and... You know all that kind of stuff. There's so much more. So much to consider. <laughs> I mean, ju- just choosing a tree in itself is a mission. Yeah, that's a- right. In an art form. Yeah, yeah. Because having that eye for the tree is going to save you. Mm. You know, yes. as I said, you know, three or four years of work just yeah. trying to get a crappy tree to a decent stage to then start working. Start on Start working. It. Yeah, yeah. You know, and especially if you buy a tree that's unhealthy or something, then. You know, you got to spend a year just trying to get the root base, yeah. you know, back to a healthy standard, or yeah. you know, trying to get it so that it's not fighting off fungus or you yeah, know, true. pests yeah. and stuff like that. So, mm. I mean, I mean, it must be even harder for you because anytime you choose a tree, I mean, you've got to choose wisely because, you know, it's not like me. I can drive mm. an hour and a half, yeah, yeah, and that's right. you know, yeah. I've got my pick of the crop and. You know, maybe if I do happen to choose a bad tree, then I can go back the next week and choose another one. Choose another one, yeah. Whereas when you do yeah, it but out for in the me, rural area, <laughs> I have to do. It. I have to choose now, or else I can't go back. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, so so that's why I spend probably around thirty or an hour just to look for one tree because I have to go. Every, I have to look for the potential, like what you said. You have to till it for left and right, back, forward. Yeah, you have to check every potential. The tree has the character, the movement, the branching, everything you have to consider. So yeah, like what you said, I can't go back the next day and then choose another one. So 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 yeah, it's just I think it's just a matter of um, getting used to it. So like experience. Sometimes, although I've got 
I've been doing that for for like five to six years, but still I make mistakes. Yeah. Because sometimes you, you 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 saw it on the first day, but the next day you just found something. Ah, oh, I missed this one. But yeah, so it's just a matter of yeah, just choose what just choose a tree that you can that you think that that you can work on it and make it a, a good tree in the next five years. Always plan. Some people will think that after a year after a year of working it, it will become a good bonsai. No, it doesn't work that way. It needs planning, a lot of planning. That's why when I did a demo um, this year with a club in Wagga, so I told them, if, if you see a tree, plant it for the next three to four years. And then like branching and movement, style and everything there's there's a lot of things to consider because you can't just do it for a year or six months yeah yeah because th- th- there's one particular juniper in our garden and it's it blows people away because <clears throat> they come in and they look at it and at first glance they think man that is the ugliest looking bonsai i've ever seen in my life because yeah. it's in a nursery pot but as the trunk comes out it does an instant hard left yeah and then the top of the juniper just it runs completely horizontal yeah so it just looks like this completely flat and then when i actually pick the tree up and And put put the nursery pot completely sideways so if you pick it up and turn it 90 degrees and then look at the tree straight on then they go oh (laughs) and they see that it's actually a cascading Cascading, cascading tree with a canopy on top yeah and they can see where it's developing, but yeah. when they look at it, just sitting on its back, they see a completely different, different tree. tree. Yeah, and, yeah. It, and it's the same when you go and pick pick a tree from a nursery. You yeah. really have to pick it up and just look at it from at every yeah. angle, angle. Tip it, tip it sideways. Yeah, you know, because there's, there's even some some trees they might be growing straight up, but they might make a good cascade. Yeah, oh, but, yeah. yeah. But you actually have to turn the turn trunk down. upside yeah. down and replant it back yeah. in the pot. You know, sometimes you might actually have to cut a big chunk, like a side, a yeah. chunk out of the side of the pot, so you can face the trunk downwards, yeah. and then re re replant it like that. Yeah. yeah, just you know, just to get that cascading form, it takes a lot of forward thinking. That takes that keen eye to you know pick a good piece of nursery stock. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and also some trees as well. Um, like what you said, a straight trunk. Usually, with a straight trunk. The first thing that I have to look for is the first branch. First branch. Where's the first branch going? It could be either sideways or or having an, a forty-five degree angle, because that's that that will that will give you the 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 insight on where the tree is going. Because sometimes you have just have to cut the whole tree back to the first branch, or make the make the, the first branch the first branch, and you go to the second one, and then that's where the potential of the tree that that you're looking for so some yeah to be honest a straight trunk is one of the most difficult for tree for me to design to style i don't know why I have oh, to s- for anybody because you yeah. have to create interest yeah with the branches the branches yeah, yeah. like <laughs> the trunk's giving you nothing yeah that's right that's, that's, that's <laughs> the most hardest thing people will bring me can, can you help me with this patrick i said like um can you give me time i can't just do it in just one five minutes but with a tree that has movement is is easier but with a straight trunk, you just have to, you need branches, a lot of branches to choose from, especially the first branch. Yeah, so. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think um, one of the best examples of this of, that I've seen anyway was 
um, Andrew, who I had on the last podcast, yeah. when I was at his garden, he had a twin trunk black pine, and both the trunks were dead straight. <laughs> they were both dead straight, but it was the last thing I noticed on the tree. The first two things I noticed on that tree were the pot that it was in yeah. and the branch structure. Yeah. And then I noticed, whoa, so, those trunks are so straight. straight. Yeah. And then, yeah. but I said to him while I was standing there, I said, that was so good because the first thing I noticed was the pot yeah. and then I noticed the branch structure and then I noticed how straight the trunks were. It yeah. wasn't the first thing I noticed. And he had known that and he was able to go in and pick a pot that was a little bit extra, yeah. you know, than normal. Because normally you don't want a pot that's too showy yeah. on a tree that's very showy yeah. because then you have a clash oh, yeah. where yeah. this tree left a little more room for a flashier pot with some artwork on it and stuff like that. And then he used the branch structure, like bring all the branches down and created really interesting branches with movement in them and really, really layered pads and everything. And yeah, even after noticing that the trunks were straight, the tree still looked very interesting. So, I mean... All that did was give me inspiration to keep working on that black yeah. pine and try and get it to a you know point where it's yeah. that interesting. Yeah, because I think I, I remember once when I attended a demonstration. I think I forgot who did the demonstration from. He's an international demonstrator. He told me. Uh, he told us the the participants. He told us that the branching is the branches will give the direction of the tree. It's not the trunk that gives the direction. It's the branches. So it, it makes you think. Like think out of out of the box, because usually it it's usually we think about the trunk giving us direction, but he told us no, it's, it's the branches that will give you direction. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've I've actually <coughs> had um, I've had trees. I don't know if this has happened to you, but I've had trees that I've sat there and looked at. Yep, that's my front. You know, the trunk looks good from that. Yeah. Go through style the tree, and then walk around the back side of the tree and go. It looks, looks so much better. better. <laughs> and I've styled it all completely. So it's like I've styled the tree back to front. front yeah. I styled it all around the back yeah. and then walked around and looked and it looks so much better. from. And it wasn't until I started placing branches yeah. that the other side of the tree looked looks, better. Looks a lot better, yeah. So I, I get the you know, the idea there that sometimes it's the branches. The that, branches, yeah. You know, yeah. that have, have a lot of value because... Yeah, and it's only happened once or twice now, but I know there was one tree I was working on. It was a juniper and <coughs> went through and styled the whole thing from bottom to top. Oh, yeah, that looks pretty good. And we've got like a, a workbench in the middle of our workshop. Yeah. Walked around the other side of the workbench to sit down and take a break and just happened to peek at the tree from a different angle from the backside. Yeah. And it just looked 10 times That's better. better. Yeah. When yeah. I went back to finish working on the tree, I just turned it around. Turned around. Yeah. Off I went, started working on that side. Yeah, yeah actually, I did that one to one, Juniper. I, I had it 2014. So I've been styling it on, on that front for probably the first five years. And then I just decided, okay, I'll, I'll just turn all everything from back, from front to back. I mean, yeah, I, I have to redo everything. It's, it's better with Junipers, you can just bend them. F- like from front to back it's, yep. it's easier compared to deciduous once you have that front it's going to be very hard for you to turn it the other way around mm. but yeah so definitely I've, I've experienced that one many times and specifically to that juniper that i was just telling earlier so yeah that that, that tree because that tree is very important for me 
So I didn't want to that tree because of the all the characters. I mean, the deadwood. You have to consider the deadwoods as well because that gives character. And yeah, so yeah. Mm. Well, I've had a I've had a shimpaku that just had its <clears throat> fourth iteration. So it started on one front, and then I styled that out. Decided I liked the back better. Yeah. Styled that out. Decided I like the front better again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, continued working on the front. And then yeah. just a week or two ago, um, I actually, the inspiration came from um, Todd Schlafer. And he had this uh, spruce, I believe it was. And one side of the tree was just all dead wood. And then the other side was, you know, the live vein yeah. in the foliage and that. And it just it looks so good. And when I was looking at this shimpaku, I thought this tree would be perfect for that. Yeah, yeah. Just the way the branches were structured. So I moved a couple of branches, you know, back to the right and brought yeah. them down a bit. And then anything that was on the left, I stripped it. And because it was already wired yeah. and being, you know, growing with the wire on it, the branches were already interesting. So all I had to do was strip the foliage off, strip the yeah. bark back and... You know, now I've got this really super interesting looking yeah, yeah. shimpaku, and yeah, and that that was its fourth iteration. Sure, yeah. And from when I started that tree, this is definitely not where I expected yeah. it to end. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not ended, but, but it's I didn't expect it to come to this point. Yeah, yeah. Because I think it's the more you learn from from other people, from from a lot of masters or internet inspirations, photo inspirations from the internet, it will like it will give you more ideas and what's better and what this tree makes to become an interesting tree so yeah that's why it's very important to, that we keep on learning continue to learn i mean it's one size it's subjective it's like what mr kobayashi said yesterday it's a feeling and what you feel on a tree that that, that will make the tree become more better or, yep. or to become great bonsai in the future so yeah, we'll just have to keep learning, learn from other people. And sometimes we, we get to a point that we don't want to listen to other people because we know what we're doing. But I think that's not a good idea. We have to keep learning because bonsai keeps growing. So that means we have to keep growing in terms of um, skills, knowledge, and yeah, and everything that goes with bonsai. Yeah, yeah, well, the minute you think that you're the best and you don't need to learn anything, that's yeah. the minute you stop growing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, true. Yeah. And that's the minute your work starts going downhill. Downhill. Because, I mean, you're never going to know everything about everything. I mean, I seen an interview with Angus Young from ACDC, one of the world's biggest rock bands, and yeah, he's, yeah. you know, what, 70 years old now, something like that, mm. and he's still learning. Yeah. And he's yeah. been doing it his whole life. You know, it's just yeah. one of those things is always going to progress and always going to get better, better and better yeah, and better. Yeah. And I mean, why would you want to stop learning, especially in an art like this? Yeah, that's right. You yeah, always want to create, create something bigger, create yeah. something better and, you know, create something new and interesting. Interesting. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe work with a new species yeah. and, you know, get that fire lit under you again to, you know, learn something new about, yeah, definitely. you, yeah. you know, the quirks of this species and that. Yeah. Anyway, it's uh, five o'clock, and yeah. we have to get ready to go to the cocktail dinner tonight. Yeah, true. Which is going to be interesting, interesting. to see yeah. uh, Cuneo and Ryan working next to each other on yeah, trees. True. Yeah, <clears throat> actually, this is my first time to attend a big, this big event. Yep. Yeah, because we don't have big events back 
back, back where I, uh, in, in Waga. So, yeah, definitely this is a rare opportunity for me to be here. So, yeah. yeah. No, it's going to be interesting. And the thing I'm looking forward <clears throat> most to with this is seeing two very different artists work yeah, right yeah. next to each other. So because thought, yeah. even though Ryan has been trained in Japan, I yeah. think he carries a lot of that american aesthetic with him yeah, yeah like the rocky mountain junipers if, if you look at the work of the american artists you can see their style yeah, yeah. and obviously when you look at the work of a japanese, japanese artist, yeah you can see you know the the very classic japanese, japanese so yeah. i mean i don't know whether they're going to give them two of the same tree, tree. or whether they're going to get two different yeah. trees but either way you'll still be able to see that difference in you know, in styles, yeah. in styles. So, styles, yeah. I mean, yeah. I can't wait to see that tonight. Yeah, I think that it's going to be good. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> anyway, yeah. um, where can people find you and your work on the internet? I know you've got Facebook. Yeah, I've got Facebook. Just my personal account. You can add me. Um, my name Facebook is Patrick James Comban. So my surname is spelled as C A U M B A N. And then, yeah, j- just add, it, add me on Facebook and, yeah, just send me a message if you have some questions and I'm, I'm happy to answer them if, if I can. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a matter of I know the topic. Sometimes if you ask me a general question, like, uh, sorry, if you ask me a spe- specific question that I can't answer, that means I can't answer. Yeah. I mean, because I don't want to give information that is not that i haven't tried yet yeah exactly yeah yeah just in case it, it, it won't work for something but if you ask me about junipers or pines and definitely i can answer them but if you ask me about other stuff azalea and natives i can't answer that it's better to ask people that knows those craft because they know they'll give you the best answer possible if you want to know about natives, go to Hugh Grant. Yeah, school. that's right, exactly. Go and see Tree Makers. Yeah, they'll yeah. be able to tell you everything you need to know about natives. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's that's true. Yeah. Um, do you have Instagram or anything like that? Uh, I've got Instagram. It's called Bonsai Shire Australia. Yeah, you you can follow me there. But I don't use it much. But I'm planning to get back into it, and then yeah, so it's gonna start sharing photos. As much as I can. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's hard to keep up sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's hard with, with, with busy life and work and everything. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, well, thanks for coming today, and it's great having you on. All right, thank you, Josh, and, uh, for having me here. Let's go get ready to see two masters work on yeah, some trees. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be a good night. All right, thanks for coming, mate. All right, thanks, Josh.